It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell, and your golden years. And welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. This evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time, and that's 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com, and now also on Apple Podcasts. And today is Sunday, January 30th, 2022, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and we are back live from beautiful Austin, Texas, where the weather is perfect today. And I hope that you're all staying safe and warm wherever you are. And Art Mendoza, the Complex Entertainment producer of this program, is here with us to make the show run smoothly as usual. And as usual, we have another great program in store for you this evening. In a little while after the break, we'll be playing my interview with author Don Johnson in Scotland. And Don is a former monk, former leadership consultant and VP in sales. And he is a current top writer on medium.com. And he's working on his first book, Be More Conscious, A Guide to Living, Learning, and Loving. And Don is also a musician. So we'll be talking in our interview about his journey and his soon-to-be-published book, and we'll be playing some of his original music also. And then later in the program, we'll also be joined by musician, Austin musician, Lisa Marshall, who has been on the program many times before, but not in quite a while. So she's our first Texas artist for 2022, and she'll let us know what she's been up to and all this time and what new music she has. And we'll be playing some of her new music. And after the show, you can hear this program again by going to my website, and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight, along with all of the website links given by my guests on the program. And that's at drmaricarpell.com. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after this show ends by going directly to blog talk radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years or you can find it on apple podcasts for information from previous programs to listen to previous podcasts and to read my blog find out about my book all of that go to my website drmaricarpel.com and all of the podcasts of every show that we've done for the past years out of the 10 years we've been on um, can be found on my website, and it can also be found at blogtalkradio.com slash years. and all of those podcasts are now on Apple Podcasts as well, going back eight years. If you want to find out what's coming up next for, uh, in, with regard to this program or any announcements or upcoming events, be sure to follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This evening's program is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AMightyGoodTime.com. Wondering what to do after you're 50? 
How about having a mighty good time? It's free to search, free to post, and much more. Whether it's in person or virtual, anything can be found to fill your day with others so that you can interact with other people and socialize and be more active. So be more active, start filling your days, and go to amightygoodtime.com. That's amightygoodtime.com. Okay, so we're going to take a brief break. We're going to play just a couple of other sponsors. It'll be very brief, so don't go anywhere because we'll be back very soon with our interview with Don Johnson. Don't go anywhere. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. So our guest today is Don Johnson, who is speaking from a seacoast village in Scotland to tell us about his unique life journey, his blogs, and he's a top writer on medium.com, and his first book, which is soon to be published, Be More Conscious, A Guide to Living, Learning, and Loving. And then later in an interview, we'll talk about his music and play some of his original music. So welcome, Don. Thank you, Mara. Appreciate it. I'm glad to be here with you. Thank you for being on the show from across the pond. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's it's amazing, and I'm happy happy to be able to do that with you. So... So, Don, before we talk about your writing and about um, your upcoming to be soon to be published book, um, why don't you give our listeners a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, so, in a nutshell, um, I, I have maybe three parts, three phases of my life. Um, you know, phase one was going to college and being intrigued by uh, like a journey of self-discovery. And that led me to, uh, to learn about a young Indian guru who was teaching um, a way, a method to tap into yourself, to find an inner truth and inner knowledge. And, uh, you know, the timing was right. It was, you know, this was the 70s. There was a lot going on and a lot of countercultural stuff. And, uh you know, the Beatles had just discovered Maharishi, I think, just a few years earlier. So, you know, there's a lot of that uh, kind of thing going on. So I got very intrigued by that. And uh, so I learned to meditate. And uh, one thing led to the next. And before you knew it, I was living in ashrams throughout the just word means shelter in Hindi. I was living in these ashrams throughout the United States, uh, practicing Raj Yoga, which is a form of meditation, um, following this Indian guru, getting very, very involved. Uh, you know, the, the, the end game, the mission was we believed that we wanted to help 
create a more peaceful world. And by doing one person at a time, by helping people discover uh, something about themselves was, was the belief. So I did that as a monk. I lived as a monk for, hmm. for 10 years and uh, traveled around the world teaching meditation, worked very closely with the, with the Indian guru and uh, wound up uh, being the president of the organization for the last three or four years of my, my 10 years, if you will. And um, that was like phase one of my life. And so I came out of that at 33 and uh, really had to start over. I had, mm -hmm. I had no money, no job. Uh, I had an education, but I certainly wasn't in the workforce. I was out of the workforce for those 10 years. So that began phase two of my life, which was, you know, find my way into corporate life and start a family and so on. So I did that for the next, you know, 20 or so years, 20, 25 years, had a great career in leadership development and sales and consulting. And, uh, you know, and that led me to, you know, this last part of my life, which was uh, a, a very serendipitous meeting of a woman who worked for the same company that I did. The company was based in Scotland. She was Scottish. Um, I was American, grew up, spent the last, you know, 30 years in Philadelphia. And um, we connected. And mm. there was a whole backstory to that. But the long and short of it was that, um, you know, I left corporate America in uh, 2017, moved to Scotland in 2019, and did a lot of work around what do I really want to do with my life now that I'm 65 plus, and what would I like to contribute to the world? Mm -hmm. What would be beautiful? What would be joyful? What would be of service? And that led me to my writing and the and the laying the foundation for uh, for the book that you mentioned. So that's a little sketch, those kind of three chunks, if you, that makes yeah. sense, yep. So um, as you're talking about these three phases, I'm thinking, wow, you went from like one extreme, really extreme, to another really extreme. You went from being a monk to corporate America. Um, do you feel like this last phase where you're writing and, and um, you know, really your writings have been the top, you know, one of the top writers on Medium, so do you feel like it's sort of like almost like you're working out how to consolidate these two portions of your life? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's well said. Uh, yeah, I really do. Uh, the, uh, you know, writing for me has been uh, a way to um, synthesize and um, kind of understand what were the lessons learned from from each of these different parts of my life and kind of how to weave them together. And, uh, you know, I found that there, there really, uh, there were things that I learned in each, in each mm -hmm. part of my life. And and many of them intersect and many of them overlap. And so writing was certainly a way for me to tap back into some of those, you know, kind of poignant moments or, you know, those moments where your, your life gets, you know, something really happens and it, and it changes it or you go through something. And writing was really an expression of how do you make meaning out of some of these things that just seem so puzzling, the things mm -hmm. that happen to it. Seem to have no meaning, 
Um, so writing it has been a cathartic way to explore and, and tie together and pull together a lot of this uh, disparate uh, pieces. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, do you feel like your, your training in uh, meditation and being sort of secluded as a monk helped you when you were in corporate America? <laughs> uh, well, the see. Here's the thing. Um, I was just I, I'm just finishing up an article about what it was like to actually live in an ashram, mm-hmm. and there are the there's the typical things that people might think like you live with a bunch of people. There's rules. Um, you get up early. You meditate or Maybe you meditate all day, people might think that, but that wasn't the case. So there was a structure of uh, discipline, and what what that discipline was, was building a, a consistent meditation practice that was mm-hmm. done in the morning and the evening. Uh, during the day, uh, I worked just like anybody else. I opened, uh, with the help of my good friend from college, we opened up one of the first natural food stores in Boston in 1973. Um, We went on to organize. I became a community organizer, and this was all, this was just like kind of running a small business, you know, Mm -hmm. coordinating with people, putting on programs, organizing, fundraising, you know, all these kinds of things. So what what, what I took with me from the ashram into the corporate world was, a real, uh, a real belief that the things that oftentimes we look for in life around us, the fulfillment, the satisfaction, the peace, the peace of mind, uh, I found was within me. And I, I, I tried to keep that practice alive in corporate America. Um, as difficult as it was sometimes, I think sometimes I was more successful than others, but I continued my meditation practice as a way to, to ground me to give me a center, to give me a sense of, of inner fulfillment, even if things around me weren't that fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would imagine that you kind of need that when you're working in that environment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were times when it was pretty crazy mm-hmm. and uh, very intense and uh, a lot of politics and things like that that, you know, you just you just do your best, and you know, I think you, I, I think I had developed a mindset of, um, probably rooted back in, I mean, probably somewhat my childhood, but also in the ashram, which was, how do you develop and play the inner game while you're playing the outer game? Uh, you know, Tim Galway made the inner game the phrase the inner game very famous. Tim Galway was great tennis player, went to Harvard, uh, wrote a book called The Inner Game of Tennis. It was probably the first sports psychology book that came out in the 70s, uh, adopted by Steve Kerr, the Golden State Warriors, Pete mm-hmm. Carroll, of the Seattle Seahawks, you know, other athletic um, individuals and, you know, sports teams have taken a lot of his practice, which was how do you develop mental toughness? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that uh, was what I learned in the ashram, was how do you manage the chatter, the false beliefs, the negative self-talk that we all deal with in your head? And I found that practicing meditation, practicing mindfulness, you know, these kind of things um, 
can help anybody, whether you're in corporate America or you're or you're not. Right. Um, just trying to find a way to not just get crushed by whatever life deals with you, whatever mm-hmm. life uh, you know throws it your way. Right. Uh, some of the things that you know people have to deal with are incredibly incredibly difficult. So for me, this was a tool in my bag that I I leaned on very very consistently. And you know, I've been enjoying your blogs on Medium, and um, I've noticed that they're probably really that popular because people they're very relatable. Um, yeah. You know, you you talk about real life situations. Um, some of them are really just not very dramatic, but they make dramatic, you know, change difference in, within us. And some are pretty dramatic. And using the those to paint a picture for us and draw up lessons that, um, like I was, I was enjoying the the article you wrote where you were sitting outside enjoying the evening with your wife and watching the fire where she just simply said, I need to go inside now. And that is not dramatic, but could have been dramatic because of all the things that you told yourself in your, in your mind, the assumptions that you made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. As you were speaking, I was thinking of that exact article actually. But first, thank you for the, for the kind words on the writing. I, I, I appreciate it. And yeah, I think you I think you nailed it in, in the sense that you know my my um, my thinking was when I was writing was how how can I be you know honest about it, like everyday life no matter whether I was in an ashram you meditate or you don't meditate um, you know we're 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 all on this journey and we go through our good times and our bad times and and hopefully we learn whatever we need to learn but you know you're right. Um, the, the simplest little things can be eye-opening when we catch ourselves. And, you know, the, the punchline to that story was, you know, I made up an, I made up an assumption that, uh, you know, she was, I don't know, didn't want to be there or whatever it might have been. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I was pondering all this, watching my mind, listening to it, develop all these stories. And it was amazing when I just listened to it and saw how it was just creating fabrications. And then lo and behold, when I walk in the door, you know, 15 or 20 minutes later, uh, I walk in and she's doing the dishes so that we could, you know, have a relaxing rest of the night, right? So it just was a, a poignant moment. You're right, everyday life and what we learn, like how we can fabricate stories. And if we go with those stories, they may or may not be true. Um, but what the learning there was for me was don't, you know, don't just, don't just assume that what you think is true. <laughs> right. It, it means it, it could ruin your whole, it could ruin your whole night. It could, it could cause ruin a, your whole life. You right. Know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You could you have know? caused a fight with your wife if you believed your own assumptions. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And how often do we do that? I mean, I think. I think we engage in assumption-making every day, really, multiple times a day. I mean, it's hard not to. The brain wants to complete any story. It doesn't like loose ends. So, you know, just neurologically speaking, I mean, the, it, we, you know, the brain is looking for closure. It wants to tie things up. 
Um, so if the story's incomplete, it wants to complete the story. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that, that I mean, I've experienced this lately. It's just how do, we, how do you deal with loose ends in life? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the gray, the things that are unknown, the things that are not clear? Um, how do you manage through those things? That's a challenge. Um, and I think some of the things I've written about is, you know, the, the art of acceptance, the art of dancing in the moment and being okay with everything not being so ticked and tied right. uh, and finding, finding peace as much as you can within all that. Not always easy. You know, what I have noticed after some recent pretty dramatic experiences that I had is that sometimes people would prefer to jump to the negative outcome, even if there's a possibility of, of a positive outcome, because they don't want, because in order for that to positive outcome to show itself, it will take time. And they're not comfortable, as you said, living in the gray, and they would prefer to tie it up and say, okay, this is bad. That's it. The outcome is going to be bad. Yeah. 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 And how do you, how do you just suspend judgment, um, beliefs, and just live life? You know, I mean, Eckhart Tolle says it well. Uh, how do you live? How do you live your life in the moment? And uh, that's one of the benefits that I've experienced with mindfulness and you know meditation is to help one stay more in the moment, less in the future, and less in the past. Right. And it doesn't mean like you talked about in another article about the car crash. Um, being in the moment actually helps you to take intentional action. It doesn't mean that you just sit and you don't do anything, but it helps you to be calm enough to be able to take the action that's needed that actually solves the problem best. It's purposeful um, rather than trying to just like end it, you know, let's, let's get this over with and, you know, yep. which can lead to a very negative, like when people do rush the outcome because they're uncomfortable with the gray area, it le- it can lead to the negative outcome that they assumed. Yeah, yeah. I love, your, you know, your point about intentional action um, makes me, it just makes me think about this journey and, you know, the, the book I'm uh, going to be pitching to publishers soon. The working title is Be More Conscious. I'm not sure if it's going to stick or not, but that's what we've got at the moment. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the intentional action comes from taking ourselves off of autopilot. Uh, And that's what being more conscious is all about, is how do we live our life not on autopilot, but on being aware in each moment of, what's around us, what's going on within us, so that we can do exactly what you just said, is be clear enough to make the right choices, mm-hmm. make, the, make the right behaviors, take the right action uh, from a place of clarity, not from a place of confusion. And, you know, that's, 
that's you know that's the work I do every day. I, I'm just trying my best, you know, to be in a place where I don't just react, but I have that that moment, like Viktor Frankl talks about, that there's that moment when we get to choose uh, our behavior, um, where where it's it's up to us to make those choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that we have complete control over there's lots of things we don't have control over like we were talking earlier the weather in austin you don't have control over that right but we do get to choose how we think and how we behave that's all about being more conscious i think we're all dealing with that right now for the last two years since we've been in a pandemic um we've had to make choices um and i think Jumping to the emotional side of it doesn't help. No. <laughs> yeah. No. It generally doesn't, in my experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So your, you know, your blogs have a lot of really mm-hmm. great lessons. Um, what's Thank the, you. what is the book? What's the book about? Yeah. Those. So the book, the book is a compilation of about fifty stories and essays that I've written over the last two years. And the gist of the book is to, uh, to talk about the skills, abilities that we all have the capability to have to help us basically live a more peaceful and fulfilling life. So I talk about myself, my own ex- examples, which you've been referring to. I use myself as, you know, as good material for someone who's gone through, you know, good times, tough times and all that, and try to kind of net out, like, what are the things that can help us develop a strong mindset, positive attitudes, beliefs that are supportive, not that not beliefs that tear us down. So the book is really a a summary, a, a, a guide to different tools that can help us uh, um, at work, at home, mm-hmm. uh, in our quiet time. So all, you know, just some of the articles that you mentioned are great examples of, of what's in the book. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And if listeners are interested in finding out when your, when your book is published, is there a way to do that? Well, let's see. I suppose there's going to be a couple ways. There, there'll be um, there'll be information out on um, Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Medium, and on the website that'll be up and running in about a month called BeMoreConscious.com. And there'll be um, there will be also some. People that sign up on my uh, my email through Medium, um, they can also get information uh, about the book and you know when it's going to come out. Okay, so on Medium they just look up your name, Don Johnson, or is there another? They can look under they look under Don Johnson writes. That's my uh, handle on Medium. Mm-hmm. I might be the only Don Johnson on Medium, so. I, I, there's a good chance of it that you'll find me if, by just typing in Don Johnson. But if you type in Don Johnson writes at Medium, my profile will come up, Mara. Okay. And your Facebook 
And your LinkedIn or just your name? Uh, LinkedIn is uh, Donald E. Johnson. Okay. And on, and on Facebook, well, here's the problem with Facebook. Face, because my name is Don Johnson. <laughs> there's only about a thousand Don Johnsons on Facebook. So, right. Uh, you know, the best way to go is probably through LinkedIn or okay. uh, <laughs> Or on Medium, you know, good luck with Facebook and Don Johnson, you know. Right, right, okay. So I'm um, going to, um, and of course they can read all of your articles on Medium through that Don Johnson writes. That is true. So, uh, and there's actually an article on there about how I met Don Johnson, the actor from Miami Vice. Oh, Bice, cool. So, you know, ha happy reading on that one. Yeah, I'm interested in looking. Is that is that already up? That's already on. Oh me. yeah, 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 yeah. That's up there. Okay, I'm gonna uh, have to look for that one. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a funny little story. Not I'm not sure there's a whole lot of deep meaning to it, but uh, it was uh, it was a fun encounter and it was fun to fun to write about it. Right. Okay. So I'm gonna post all of those links on my website post about the okay. show after it airs, so people can, if they didn't have their pen and paper ready, they can just go to my website later on and they'll find it all there um, you are the best you are just the best Mark. <laughs> thank you so so now let's talk about your music because you didn't mention that part of your journey was being a musician as well um tell us a little bit about your musical history <laughs> yeah uh sort of a yeah fumbling my way into things uh might be a good way to say it um no, I just started out, um, uh, play, you know, fiddling around with the guitar uh, after I graduated from college, and uh, I was, you know, I, I played a little bit of music when I was a kid, a little piano, a little this, a little that. My mother was a great uh, jazz and ragtime piano player, and mm -hmm. so there was a lot of music in the house, and that was kind of in my DNA, I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, I never... Um, I never thought of myself as a musician uh, until I just started dabbling with it. And then, uh, you know, when, when I had a family and, uh, and my kids were little, uh, I started playing a little bit more, practicing. And, you know, one, one thing led to the next, and I started to take some lessons. And, uh, and uh, instead of practicing uh, what the guy was telling me I should practice, I wound up, I wound up songwriting. Because uh -huh. I, you know, I've always, I've always been a bit of a writer, wrote poetry, and you know, always journaled and things like that, and uh, so I kind of got sidetracked uh, a little bit by, by songwriting, and uh, started to realize that there was, I felt this, uh, I, I felt this thing when I was around, uh, when I was around forty, uh, I, I felt like there was something that needed to come out of me, from a musical mm -hmm. point of view. And it just took over, and I just started songwriting and and making little demo tapes, and and then I, you know, wound up playing tennis with a great jazz uh, piano player who was a producer, and he said, oh, I'll help you out with your first little album project, and you know, we did that, and I learned a lot, and I pretty much learned that I didn't know how to sing. That was one <laughs> thing that I learned, and that then opened up the door of well, let's. Let's take some. Let's work on the vocals and take lessons and you know things like that. And then it kept going from there. And then there was another record. And then there was another one. And then I started you know playing in a 
garage band. I mean, you know, I was just a hobbyist. I mean, I was not a great musician by any means, but it was, this was during my life, my time in corporate America. So music was a real uh, creative outlet and a place of refuge for me. Okay. Well, we're going to play one of the songs that you sent us, Night Train. Um, Mm. Before we play that, can you tell us about that song? Yeah, it's a bit depressing. I'm sorry to tell you, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you the story briefly, okay? So N- Night Train is about my uh, relationship with a guy who was my, uh, he was my psychotherapist who helped me kind of bridge from being like in the ashram into like normal life, whatever we consider normal life, right? This guy became my friend. Uh, and then... Uh, his wife developed uh, breast cancer when she was about 50, and they thought they were going to beat it. They didn't. And this song is talks about the last night I saw them both. Hmm. And the tragedy here is they both died on the same night. Um, she died of uh, from breast cancer and a tumor in her brain and things like that. And then, unfortunately, he died a few hours later, overdosing unintentionally on her morphine that was in the house for hospice care. Mm. And uh, and he left behind two daughters. Mm. And uh, so I was pretty traumatized by the whole bit, the whole thing. And I wrote this song. So the lyrics are, they sound obscure because... I'm saying goodbye to like two people, not mm-hmm. just one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in particular, I'm saying goodbye to this guy because he was my dear friend, father figure, ex-therapist, musical bandmate, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to play that. <laughs> Good luck okay. with that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
dreams about his journey and going to the ashram and um, Don has several CDs out and I'll talk a little bit about how you can find them online so ship a dream So tired. 
Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. Before we go any further, I want to let you know how you can find Don's music. Um, that is available on Amazon Music and on Spotify at D.E. Johnson. And that particular record, if you just go to Amazon and put in D.E. Johnson, I Won't Walk Away, it will um, bring you to that whole CD. And he has several CDs. Don has several CDs. And... The music is downloadable downloadable because a lot of people don't have CD players, so you can also uh, download that music. And I, I apologize for the abrupt ending. We kind of lost the ending of that interview, but we're going to have Don back um, in the future to talk some more. And before we go to um, our local musician, Austin musician Lisa Marshall will be joining us in a few minutes. Um, I just want to announce, I don't think I've announced this before, but my book, The Passionate Life, is now available on Audible. So anyone who is interested in listening to the book rather than reading it, you can just go to Amazon and look up my name and it'll be there in Audible and um, I hope you enjoy that. I have a blog coming out this week and related to that blog is a quote from the venerable Thich Nhat Hanh, who passed away a little over a week ago. Um, he said, meditating is not trying to run away, trying to ignore the presence of pain, but on the contrary, it is looking at it face to face. And that quote really struck me because I think that a lot of People have the misconception that we are meditating in order to uh, feel less pain um, or run away from it. Certainly, we want to transform the pain. We don't want to be in pain all the time, but running away from it doesn't really transform it. It just saves it for a, a later day, and it sometimes causes us to make poor decisions and to not have compassion for other people, and as if you've been listening to my show, then you know that having compassion for other people leads us to passion. 
So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Lisa Marshall. Marshall, who's joining us right now from here in Austin, Texas. Welcome back, Lisa Marshall. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time. What have you been up to? 
Uh, well, <laughs> that's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Quarantining, learning how yeah. to. Yeah. Actually, uh, that's. Uh, I'm being silly. I've been uh, been uh, learning a lot about online marketing, uh, mixing, and producing music in my home studio, and. Mm-hmm. Um, getting songs recorded that haven't been recorded yet and releasing those. Great. Have you been doing a lot of songwriting too? Uh, I would say I have, you know, like little bits and pieces of, I probably have over a hundred ideas on my voice memo on my phone and, you know, a lyric book mm-hmm. filled up, but I haven't really completed I would say, an entire song. Right. Okay. So you've been doing recording and getting everything out, which is great. Um, yeah. Now, this has been the song that – go on. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's just been a lot, of, lot of research of learning how to, you know, find – the kind of sound that I wanted to create, which is kind of that 60s, 70s soul vibe, understanding the the kind of processors that they use and then finding those in software and learning how to use those, to, you know, through logic. And so, and, you know, and uh, just a lot to learn on marketing and, and, you know, also licensing songs to film and TV kind of thing. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. So, um, you, we just played one of your songs, one of my favorites of your songs. Um, Thank you. Can you talk about it a little bit? Yeah. Um, Hold Me was, I believe, the first song that I wrote when I had first moved to Austin. And uh, I came here. I didn't know anybody. Um, I had a – there was a, a girl that I knew, like – a keyboard player in LA and it was friends of a friend kind of thing who recognized me from my old band. But other than that, I really didn't know anybody here. And I just kind of came here determined and wanting to play music for a living, you know, and um, it was a, a bit of a rough start. <laughs> so uh, uh-huh. I just kind of had a moment of, it was kind of like a, it was kind of me laying on the couch, like a little bit like, what am I doing? What am I going to do here? You know, I, I, like I said, didn't know anybody. I didn't really know any of the promoters or the bookers or the club owners here. And I just kind of laid down and, and started having this conversation with my higher power. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where Hold Me was sprung from. Okay. All right. I never realized that was what it was about, but now that you – gave it some context that I can hear it in the song. <laughs> oh, good. I wasn't yeah. too far off. <laughs> yeah, no, I can, yeah, now it, it makes sense. Um, so, so how many CDs do you have, have do you have now for that people can buy or download? Really, I just have two solo CDs. Um, mm-hmm. For download uh there are some people that remember my old band in la peculiar boogie and we also had two albums as well so i guess my entire discography would be four 
Okay. Okay. So the music that you have recorded recently, is that available for download or not yet? There's only, uh, currently there's only one song that I have released. Um, there's two other songs just sitting in the queue that I just got to finish mixing. But that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm upgrading my computer because my old computer just kept locking up and freezing every time I was trying to mix or had too many tracks going. So, um, you know, now I'm in a position to do that. So I had to wait on that a little bit. But, yeah, there's just uh, – there's so much on the back end on releasing music that I just never really took the time to do before or understood before, especially focusing more on the online kind of thing of releasing your songs and marketing and streaming. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just been a process and, you know, I'm, I'm not a, uh, a nine or ten year old who can just fly around the computer. Isn't that crazy how they can do that? <laughs> I, know. I know. You have to hire a, an adolescent to help you. <laughs> I know. I should hire my goddaughters. <laughs> so, do you know, Lisa, that you were our first artist um, on the radio show when we were back in the studio on, on local AM radio ten years ago? You were the first one. No, I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you come in with your guitar and play like live in the studio for that one? I think you did. I did. I feel like I did uh, a few times. I've been in, I was in the studio at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this has been on for 10 years. So, and you were the first one. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Yeah, I think I'm one of the shows. It might have been the second time you were on was when we had Don Miguel Ruiz on the program. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Don Miguel yep. Ruiz. Yeah. That's right. The Four Agreements. I love him. Yep. Yep. I repeat the, long the second ago. agreement to myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is that? Don't take anything personally? That's right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Lisa, you sent another song that we're going to play, um, Many Blessings to You. Can you talk about that before we play it? Sure. Um, this was uh, something I had kind of been, I started toggling back before, back, excuse me, back and forth between a D and an E minor chord on the guitar, just kind of, I uh, had been listening to like the soul children and the temptations. And I think it was probably around the holidays when a lot of kind of uh, soul Christmas songs were out and playing. And I kind of uh, put it down as a, honestly a demo and I kind of did a soft release. And then I went back to it some years later and added strings and harp and bass and um, jingle bells. And I just decided uh-huh. to release it this year during the holidays, not so much as a like a a particular denominational directed song, like a Christmas song or anything like that, but just kind of mm-hmm. seemed like the right, especially after the couple of years that we've all have gone through together, I just kind of felt like it was appropriate 
to release. And um, I really just wanted to hopefully bring some kind of comfort and ease in all, you know, all of this as people listen to the song. Okay. Well, we're going to play that. Um, don't, you know, don't hang up, hang on the line and we'll come back for, to talk for a few more minutes after. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So Lisa Marshall, many blessings to you.
Very nice. Yep, we need that to bring in another mm-hmm. a brighter new year. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the hope. So, <laughs> I really hope so, too. So, um, so, Lisa, what is the best way for listeners to find out where you're playing when things start opening up and how to download your music and find out more about you and all of that? Uh, the best way would be to go to uh, my website, lisamarshallmusic.com. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, and that has everything on there. And, and actually right now I'm just, I do live streams on a platform called Stage It. Stage It? Yeah, like Stage, it's called stageit.com. Right. Mm-hmm. Really awesome platform. Yeah, we've got to say something here. All right, Art. Are you there? What do you got to say? Lisa, do you remember where we met? Yeah, we met at um, Mugshots. Yeah. On East 7th. Yeah. And you were just coming from Washington, right? Yeah, from Seattle. I was uh, just yeah. visiting. And I told yeah, you that you weren't my even friend living owned here it. yet. Yeah, that's true. And I told you my friend had a studio there and uh, contacted him and told him that, you know, you should record there. Yeah, and he called me up, Robert Lang, called yep. me up and let me record there for free. You've done well, girl. And, uh, yeah, that, keep on. You were actually keep on doing it. Reason, oh, thank you, thank you. I you were part of the reason I came here because everything just felt so serendipitous that I just felt like I belonged here. Wow, that's pretty amazing. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Thank you for that. Yeah, I just texted Lang about mm-hmm. <clears throat> two weeks ago. We were talking about Punta Mita down in Mexico. And uh, I think his brother's involved with him now, or was he was always involved with him, I think. But uh, I'll send you some other information after we get off. Y'all close it out. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. All if right. you talk to him again, tell him I said hello and thank you. All right, Lisa. So great to have yes. you on again, and you need to come back. And I'll be—I will post those links on my website post about the show later tonight, so listeners can go right there and find it. Great, thank you so okay. much for having me. All right, well, thank you, and thank you for sticking it out with us all these years. <laughs> Absolutely, <Okay>. my pleasure. <laughs> all right, well, you have a good evening. Okay. You too. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Okay. Well, I'm going to let listeners know what's coming up um, in the next couple of weeks before Art knocks me off the air. Um, The next two weeks, we're going to be playing some of our favorite encores. And then we'll be back live on February 20th when our friend Lauren Tarrant will be back to talk about her new company that's launching, Always Caring for Seniors. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from the show, get the links from, that we talked about on the program, go to my website, drmaricarpel.com, and my, the, um, all of that will be posted later tonight. If you want to hear the program um, again in as soon as five minutes from now, you can go directly to blogtalkradio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash 
your golden years, or you can put it put a search in for my name and Apple Pods and this show will come up and you can hear it there too in five minutes. For information about upcoming shows, go to my Facebook page, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This show was produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions, and sponsored by AmightyGoodTime.com. And thank you to my guests, Don Johnson and Lisa Marshall, and thank you to Art, and thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring few weeks. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe. guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.